This is Compadre's Happy Hour. My guest today is Austin. A Florida native, he serves South Florida's most vibrant communities, from the bay to the beaches with successful sales experience and unmatched market knowledge. Taking a unique approach to real estate, prioritizing relationships over transactions, understanding his client's goals and developing a customized plan to implement proven strategies to reach those goals. Here today with a good friend, Austin. So we talked beforehand, you're, you're Florida born and then you emancipated yourself to <laughs> New York. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. Like what, what got, what, uh, what got you to leave Florida? Uh, well, I love Florida. No, yeah. I mean, growing up, uh, my room was painted University of Miami colors. Mm-hmm. I was a Florida boy. I never thought I'd leave Florida. I knew I wanted to go to a bigger city because I was in Vero Beach mm-hmm. and it sucked. Uh, but I never pictured myself in New York. I was um, working on a uh, congressional campaign um, in in my district and uh, unfortunately the Florida state legislator changed the laws about qualifying for the ballot after my candidate was already running and she got disqualified for the raise. Um, So I went to New York on my 19th birthday and I had traveled. I lived in Argentina. I traveled, but I guess I had never seen a city quite like that. It was my first time ever going to New York. And I was supposed to be there for 16 days. And on the eighth day, I said, if I can get a job here, I can stay. Because I just got, I just lost my job. My candidate just disqualified from the race. I have nothing taking me back to Florida except a a crappy little apartment full of crap. Um, and I ended up landing a position at a, what then was a tiny little company called Airbnb and I was doing political consulting, Mm -hmm. but at the time, uh, you couldn't, there was not much information online. So I remember getting this interview and, um, it was a consult, we were a consultant on behalf of them. We mm-hmm. weren't working for the company directly at the time because they didn't have an in-house policy department. But um, yeah, I had to like ask around to figure mm-hmm. out, has has anybody heard of this? And they had a totally different logo and it was, um, they rebranded while um, we were on board actually, but. Um, so you, your job was to uh, deal with the customer's satisfaction? No, I was, so we were a political consulting firm, so we were hired to enact clear and fair laws around Mm -hmm. home sharing in New York. So I went in and I would reach out to hosts directly Mm -hmm. and um, try to get them to tell their story because at the time there was a lot of fear Mm -hmm. because it was a very gray area around home sharing in New York and... um, you know, landlords and tenants didn't want to come out and tell their story publicly. So we, we would meet with them. We collected petitions. We tried to get people to meet with their legislator. We organized lobby days. We um, met with small businesses, brought small businesses on board, got them to put, you know, um, signs that says Airbnb or local mm-hmm. business supports Airbnb. 
and we took um, hosts to uh, City Hall for eight-hour hearings mm-hmm. on a Tuesday and tried to get hosts to come up to Albany with us to talk to legislators. And um, so that's what we did. It was more of a community mobilization. So that was, I mean, at the time, that's what Airbnb uh, offspring off of in New York? That's where it started? Or did they have... Mm-hmm. No, so I, I, I Airbnb started in San Francisco. Okay, yeah. But um, originally, at the time that I was there, it was one of their largest markets. Mm-hmm. On any given day, was New York or Paris. Um, Brian, or I, I forget which <laughs> one of the founders went to New York. Spent a lot of time in New York because that's where um, their professional photo kind of program came out of he would to get go get feedback he would go he he started meeting with hosts in new york and um in order to do that he would offer them professional photography mm-hmm. so um that makes sense that's why like the pictures are very nice pictures on, on, on. well now they have yeah. a whole they yeah. offer that but they have a whole program but um for us as a team i mean it was challenging because it, if anyone has ever tried to get a hold of um, anyone in customer service, um, it can be difficult. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were reaching out for them to a lot of hosts. For a lot of hosts, it was the first time they had ever spoken to someone from the company. And there were a lot of challenges involved with that. But what, what caused the fear for them to talk, to tell the story? I mean, they already—they were already sharing. They were already in the pro in the program. They already like you know like had rented or their property before, or it was a first time renters or uh, I guess what is it called uh, leasers? How, what's what? Um, Leases. Leases. <laughs> <laughs> um, tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean there was a lot of tension mm-hmm. around. It was, it was a very. Uh, you have the hotel lobby. You have oh, the hotel union. It was the first time we saw the hotel union and the hotel lobby kind of stand together against this, yeah, I effort, see, this yeah. Uh, disruptor. But because um, usually they're yeah fighting against each other. Each other. I, I saw the similar that something similar to that with Uber in Vegas. I remember when I went to Vegas and they were like. Yeah, the taxi cabs have come and threatened us. Like the, the yeah. Ta- yeah. Well, Uber is the same way in New York. Those medallions at one point were a million dollars a piece. And there, there's, you know, I, at least in New York, I know that, you know, there's big players that own a lot of those medallions. And if anybody can just, you know, get their chauffeur license and drive <laughs> cars, yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean... Now, like uh, at the airport, I'm surprised that. Well, I mean, I guess I guess Miami airport, what they do, what they they've been doing. I mean, I haven't I haven't flown in a while. Is that there'll be like a flat rate, fifteen to your house. So I mean, it's good if you live far, but if you live like close, like us, mm-hmm. it, we get fucked over. Right. Unless you get the Uber, and yet the sometimes I don't know if how it is. I mean, you fly more than I do. At, at a point, you have to like walk to yeah. like the very end of the airport just to get picked up. Nine out of ten, ten, nine out of ten times when I fly in, I will settle for just one of the taxis. Mm-hmm. But it's a different experience, and mm-hmm. it's an awful experience, right? 
There's usually no AC. Mm-hmm. They've got their windows down. The car stinks. Yeah. Like, and that's how Uber went over New York with mm-hmm. the yellow cabs. Yeah. Like, do yellow cabs exist? Sure, but it feels like you're sitting in the back of a police car. <laughs> Yeah. And you're just watching the thing go up and up the meter. That's right. And they it's have the... Day, 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 day. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the partition <laughs> and the loud uh, Jimmy Fallon commercial. But we also see online why they have that partition. Because a lot of these Uber drivers <laughs> are getting... My <laughs> yeah. small, like tiny, drunk uh, college girls. <laughs> you seen that like right? throwing everything out right. like yeah and this guy's huge the right one of the, the one of the, he's huge and right. his ass beat <laughs> by a tiny college girl yeah <laughs> you know people come here and then we get the bad rep <laughs> that person was not a floridian <laughs> right yeah. right yeah of course. Well, exact. Most of them aren't. That, that's why they're like Florida man. I'm like, well, he was from Michigan, actually. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem with Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, I'm not sure the exact statistic, but I heard something like 65 percent of the people who live here are not from here. Yeah. So, and it's. I mean, I'm from Orlando. It's the same thing when you're a vacation play destination city like that or Vegas, or even LA, when people aren't from there, they don't necessarily take as much pride in their city. Mm -hmm. And, um, because it's very transient. And they know, whether consciously or subconsciously, that they're here for a good time and not a long time. Right, right, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, even you're from Orlando, it's like having, you're a distant cousin. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, lately, uh, a friend of mine is getting out of the military in three years, and he's like, oh, I'm I'm, gonna go and buy a house down there. And I'm like, yeah, but how about you buy outside of Miami and just party in Miami? Don't, don't, don't like, don't buy in the city. Right, and I mean, as a real estate agent, I, especially with people, coming in at the rate that they're coming in right from Mm -hmm. California, Chicago, New York. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, I love this city. Um, but I feel like to know it is to love it. Mm -hmm. People come here and they have expectations about one thing and they're they're ready to buy because they see how fast rent prices are going up and the appreciation. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage them to do so, but also understand that this is not New York. Mm-mm. This is not Chicago. Mm-hmm. This is not LA. This is, I mean, the best part about <laughs> Miami is it's so close to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> that's, little, that's funny. No, like it, 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 it is true. It is true. Uh, I, um, one of our friends. Um, that was living with, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Steve and Erica, uh, recently found that out. Like, so he went out to venture to get rent, and they were raising the rent as the application was going through. <laughs> it says seventeen hundred, and when he came in, it was like, oh no, it's now twenty two hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they ended up like taking over someone else's lease. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, I mean, I moved from uh, three hundred one to three hundred three now here, okay. and even before I moved. Um, in December, they were like already talking to me. The new lease was going up three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which was weird because like over the eight years I've been here, or at the time seven years, they only raised it fifty dollars twice. Right. And now that that huge increase, and they said, I mean, 
Of course, as a tenant, I'm bitching, complaining, but hey, I don't know what their expenses are. They said, oh, insurance went up and this. I mean, as a tenant, I take it as, oh, yeah, you're just trying to make your money that you lost during the pandemic. But I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you would you would be more privy to that information because you see it around and what, what things have increased. Or, well, insurance you know. rates are crazy and insurance mm-hmm. rates have gone up, you know, exponentially, but it, they've always been higher. Um, because of where we sit and, um, you know, New York's getting more and more hurricanes, but <laughs> we've always, <laughs> we trade up, we made a good trade. Right. But I mean, I think a lot of people, that's, that's the, that's what a lot of people are facing right now is, uh, people are coming here from mm-hmm. all over and they are thinking they've heard Florida's so cheap and Florida's mm-hmm. so affordable mm-hmm. and Florida's so this and Miami's so this, and you can get so much bang for your buck. Well, not when ever the whole world's moved here now, mm-hmm. and insurance rates have gone up. But when you see, you know, when we see eighteen to twenty-five to thirty percent appreciation, mm-hmm. if that if you're not homesteaded, yeah, your taxes have just gone up on your investment. Explain that homesteaded, because I saw it on on the on the previous ballot or two pre the, the I think two thousand one of the ballots in the previous past recently. And I, I guess I, I read up on it, and I totally didn't understand. Since I'm, a, I'm not a homeowner, I didn't get that homestead uh, that you were talking about. You get a homestead exemption mm-hmm. on your primary home in Florida. So, and you have to file it. It's due by March. So, if you purchased a property, you only have to file it once. Um, but within the first year of purchasing your property, you will want to file that homestead exemption. Um in order to get those tax breaks. And that will give you a, a significant significant discount on the taxes for the for that home. year. Oh. And it also means that, you know, if you go bankrupt <laughs> <laughs> or do, you know, they, it, you, there are a lot of benefits to having a homestead exemption because like if you get sued or whatever, people can't come and take your homestead. So. Oh. But it only apri- applies to primary primary homes yeah, so. you have to live in it right okay right so because what's that law about that i tell you like that whole primary thing like you could buy and then like let's say you buy a second home you, you do it to the second home because you're primary but you get still heavily taxed on the first one like you're something. always going to get so the the attack that the, the taxes are based on the the county's appraised value of the home so if you get a discount, if you're a single person, it's up to 250000 mm-hmm. Married couples, it's up to uh, half a million. Mm-hmm. But um, it's actually, it's twenty five mm-hmm. and 50000 if you're married. A little, little too much tequila already. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's the exemption. At the, oh, you mean taxes? That's, that's the max? That's what you save up to. Oh, okay. So that's what you save up to in terms, yeah, of value. Like how far, how far do you, like is Southeast Florida, South, Southeast Florida, or do you go like Broward too? I go to Broward Mm -hmm. too, from the base. I I say to the base of the beaches. For Mm me, it's about the client, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Fort Lauderdale market, um, like Pompano, Wilton Manors, Oakland Park, Lauderdale by the Sea. That's where I started in real estate. I mean, 
when I started, I started in investment real estate in Miami Shores. Mm-hmm. And um, I would do a lot of deals in Victoria Park, Poinsettia Heights. But I, being from Bureau, mm-hmm. um, as soon as I got my car, the first place I was <laughs> I was at was Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I still spend a lot of time in Fort Lauderdale. Because as I said, Dade County is kind of, you know, the best part is it's so close to the United mm-hmm. States. But you go back, you go into Broward and yeah. it's, you're, you're back in America. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I once, I once started dri- like left and started driving north, 95. And I was with my cousin. I was like, let's see how far we get before we reach America again. Because like, my, my, the whole goal was try to find a place where like I did not have to like use some Spanish again. To try to get away with like you know like like cause you know how it happens here. You speak English, you look at you one way. You speak Spanish, you get the hookups. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even <laughs> even I think I was I was at the uh, was it the Doral Mall at the Gap or something mm-hmm. check out checking out, and you know I use I use my Spanish every day. I mm-hmm. live on Eighth yeah. Street, like mm-hmm. you know. But um, you have to. Some 55% of Miami speak Spanish at home, guys. So remember that when you move here. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. But and, then it's, and you get that, you get argument from both sides. Learn English, learn Spanish. And they're at each other's throat. I'm like, why did you just learn each other's language? Well, again, I, this is something I heard, mm-hmm. but I heard that the United States is now the largest native-speaking Spanish country in the world. We have more native Spanish speakers here now than any country in the world, and I haven't fact-checked that. So, yeah. I mean, but that's—I believe it. Based on numbers, it could be yeah, it could be very too much true. Now, let me ask you this: like, you you grew up in Vero Beach. You said mm-hmm. you born and, and grew up in Vero Beach. Was Spanish something you learned or something that was already... Because I don't know. Like, I don't know what your background is. <laughs> no, Spanish is something I learned uh-huh. because I went to Argentina. Yeah, that's what I was For exchange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I... How long my dad been? wanted me to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn French. So when I went into high school mm-hmm. and we had to select a second language... I wanted to be in French. I got a D in Spanish one <laughs> my freshman year. And he said, you can, uh, you can take French, but um, you, you can't get another D. You learn whatever language you want. Just don't, yeah. So that, I did not, and even my exchange, we didn't get to pick what country we oh, went no? to. It was selected yeah. for us. And that's kind of a whole historia it in itself. Rotary? Yeah. What program was it? Rotary, uh, uh, Rotary Youth Exchange mm-hmm. International. Mm-hmm. So they, they they got you and they and then we got one of the one of Argentinian or how, mm, how does that work? No. So it's not a direct exchange oh. program. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them aren't anymore. Um, a lot of exchange. It used to work that way. You apply mm-hmm. to go. And then there's a whole network now. And there's different programs, right? Like there's, Rotary is just one of the many organizations that facilitate exchange. They do it 
at a very affordable cost and their intention is to foster world peace, right? Mm -hmm. So you can pay to have your kid go anywhere um, and you can pay a lot of money and have a very VIP experience Mm -hmm. and, you know, but um, with Rotary, the whole idea is that they select young people who are potential leaders within their community to foster world peace. So they send you to, it's called an, an immersion exchange because they mm-hmm. do like summer, you can go to Austria for three months or Germany or Brazil for three months, or you can do a whole year. Um, and you live with families and you're actually, you go to school and you're immersed in the language. But your, your brain's a sponge the younger mm-hmm. you are. But the whole idea is that um, young people will learn that the governments, you know, it's, it's people to people, not government to government. Mm-hmm. And that no matter what we're hearing or what's going on in the political realm mm-hmm. and what's being talked about by the talking heads on TV, mm-hmm. that we understand deep down that those are people mm-hmm. and families just like us because we've been there and we've lived there. So it's about building that connection with that culture bef- at a very yeah. young age. And I think that's very essential. I've, I mean, I hear a lot of people in, uh, in uh, what's it called? In, uh, I mean, I've had friends, Miami-born, Florida-born, and they'll be, they'll be like, oh, I'll never, have, I'll never leave the city. I'm like, no, 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 it's best that you do leave the city, experience something else, because then you end up, you can be very close-minded. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I know that uh, in the East Coast, I had no issues, but when I moved to Arizona in the West Coast, I, it took me about two years to finally get adjusted at the fact that you had Hispanics that would not speak Spanish to you, because their parents were like, no, 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 America, English, forget any other language. I think it's a give and take mm-hmm. because I've also been like, you know, I I think you're better off in Miami only speaking Spanish than only speaking English. In mm-hmm. Arizona, not so much. Yeah. Arizona is weird to me. My mom moved to Arizona in September, oh, yeah. almost 40 years in Florida. It was like one of those pandemic moves. Mm-hmm. And I had been to Arizona as a kid to see the Grand Canyon, but like, it was just so, mm-hmm. I arrived in Phoenix and I'm, you know, I, it was just like, wow, this is weird. It's like mm. about a bunch of white people living in the desert in these like Mexican style homes. Mm. And they're all like super conservative. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just, I'm like, this is like, um, burning man <laughs> builds <Yeah>. a city. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, but definitely. Yeah. It's just, but at the same time, like I was in Orlando and there's, uh, I forget, and there was an Uber driver and he was bringing me to and from somewhere and we started talking in Spanish and I asked him how long he'd been living in the United States and he didn't. I mean, the first thing he said when I got in is like, you know, I don't speak much English and I was like you know I say cuánto tiempo que estás aquí and he's like 11 years and I just go okay yeah. it's a it's a very hard truth that you find about that you're like mm, 
And I mean, to me, it's, here's the benefits. I mean, whether you go into business or anything in your life, it's a good thing to know. I mean, you know how it feels like when someone's speaking to a foreign language. When you go to the to the to the, to the parlor, they know parlors, or whatever, and you're there, and you're like, they're talking shit about me. You know, like that whole fear of like, what are they saying? I want to know. Even and that's, I, I, I mean, that's why I try. Let's say if we were here, like, let's say you only spoke English, and my like I was speaking to someone, I would make sure that I spoke in Spanish or whatever. And I turned to you, I was like, look, we're discussing this. Because I feel it's very rude. Yes, yes, it is rude, but also I'm so fed up with it. Like, at <laughs> this point, no. Monolingual folks, I'm just like, you're so uninteresting. Like, this is ridiculous in this country. Mm-hmm. That we just, oh, everybody should speak English. That's ridiculous. You need to get on an airplane and fly somewhere. Because most of these people out here speak two three four languages fluently Mm -hmm. and in this country with the language education they don't even know what fluently is because half of these kids take two or four years of spanish and they can't come out they don't come out conversational Mm -hmm. okay like it's sad and so many other countries it's just in europe and south america Especially in South America. Go to Mexico. Do you know the ones who have stayed? The ones who have stayed there speak perfect mm-hmm. English. That's yeah, it's how they're than, able to yeah. work in the hotels and the mm-hmm. resorts and Much the industries. Yeah. That, correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Much better than us. And use words that you're like, hold on, what? <laughs> right. <you> right. <laughs> well, that's and that's a joke too that I have a lot of with my bilingual friends. So they're like, what are you talking about? You want the, you want Americans to learn um, a second language? They don't even speak English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that whole joke about like, um, I think it's one of the comedians brings up. He's in London and he's like, shut up. You know, you don't even speak American. Like, yeah, like, you know, learn the language. We brought this language. And he's talking to a British person. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember uh, seeing that, you know, like as an American going to a foreign country and seeing that from the get go, we're, like, they look down upon us, but not for the, not for the reasons we think. It's for the fact that we walk in there and we're like the like we look like a a hillbilly trying to like you know like uh what's that show the hillbilly that 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 the that old show with the hillbilly and they and they get rich because they have oil right, the Beverly Hillbillies yes, that's how yes. yeah that's how it feels like sometimes. Like, uh, I was told, like, when you go in, like, they look at you like, yeah, you have money, you have means, but you have not, cho- you've chosen not to educate yourself. Yeah. And worldly well, things. And that's, I mean, but that is Miami, right? Mm-hmm. We're also very, it's very Nuevo Riche, like, mm-hmm. new money. And yeah. it's, um, I, I don't think you have to have money to have class. Yeah, no. <laughs> No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, like you're saying, a lot of uh, people come from other countries, way better educated, and I guess they have to start from the bottom because, you know, language barrier. Then they get the language, then they, they succeed at the language, and then, you know, we put them through the hoops. Because, well, yeah. right. Well, yeah. we put them through the hoops, and they come here, and they realize that the American dream is actually built on debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it's all kinds of debt, right? Mm-hmm. 
credit card debt, mortgage debt, <laughs> whatever. But it's it's very easy to um, obtain, you know, debt with high interest rates or whatever their situation is. But they try to look a certain way. I don't know. It's and then it turns the American dream turns into the American nightmare, and it's mm-hmm. like estamos unidos or estamos olidos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gotcha. We gotcha. <laughs> Maybe that, yeah. We're just bringing people in for taxes. Pay taxes. No, no, Come on. No, down. right. No, no. But that's how it is, yeah. right? Capital, in order for our con- in our, our economy to expand, mm-hmm. we need more people. But I also think it's a joke because, mm-hmm. look, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion. Go ahead. Don't. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of the reason Miami has stayed open and stayed running, um, our wages have always been lower mm-hmm. than their, our cost of living and cost mm-hmm. of real estate. Because I think a lot of people take advantage of the amount of illegal immigrants yeah. here. And oh, those absolutely. people could not collect yeah. during the pandemic. They could mm-hmm. not cash in on all that COVID money mm-hmm. that was being handed out necessarily. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. or they were afraid to, but it's it's one of these things where I think it's I think where where both parties fail not to get too political, but mm-hmm. it's not convenient to legalize these people because we can pay them less, we can take advantage of them, small business owners especially, um, and I think that you know it's very sad, but it's it's a it's. Uh, I, th- I think it's a tough reality. You actually have campaigned for both parties, haven't you? Like, weren't you? Um, or am I wrong? I have, story? yes. You have experience on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you believe as mm-hmm. long as you have a reason for believing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is one thing. I, I remember uh, during the 2016, my mother and I were opposing views. And I remember, like, we got, we got in an argument, and she goes, Oh, fine, I'm not, I'm not going to go vote. I was like, no, 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 that's not no. the thing. You go vote. We could have arguments. I mean, we're still. It, I mean, the party should not be what separates us. It should be correct. What you know, because that, that's that's. And if problem. you don't vote, you can't complain. Exactly. Look, I was I was talking to one of my friends about, you know, one of the administrations, and I'm not going to specify which, but he was like, you know, you look, you voted for him. You can't complain. I said, no, 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 no. If you, as long as you vote, you can complain. Mm -hmm. If you don't vote, you can't complain. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's it's easy to be like, oh yeah, this guy's bad. This guy's bad. What did you do for it? You 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 didn't participate in the activity. Correct. You're an outsider now. You know, like you're like. "Mm." Right. And I'm not responsible for it. This is a democratic republic, right? I'm I'm supposed to elect or vote for the person that I think exactly. is going mm-hmm. to make the best decisions on mm-hmm. my behalf. My one vote based on his campaign promises, mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for. Mm. That's not how it, a democratic republic works. And then it's, it's very, very ignorant to think that one person is going to make every promise. Because, you know, we forget that there's Congress and senators that are going to oppose them all the way around. Right. All, no, all day. All day. And they'll do there's everything. there's so many money, much money in Washington. Yeah, yeah. It's a give or take. Like, that's why, I mean, I have people that are like, oh, if I was a politician, I was like, you're a politician, you'd be a, one-year poli- you'd be a one-term politician. Mm. And I'm, I guarantee you, you have to get your hands dirty. 
because that's, oh, a, that's yeah. the game. That's the that's game. That's the game. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think that people are, who are attracted to that, sure, there are people who get into it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Do I think they're a majority? No. No. And I think, you know, <laughs> but they still have to get their hands dirty too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, but, but eventually, it, it's to think if that they you can. break down the, how much mm-hmm. money, and I, that's mm-hmm. that's what's crazy to people. As I said, if you break down the numbers and look at how much it costs to run for Congress, how much, which is a two-year term, mm-hmm. and how much it costs to run for Senate, which is a six-year term, and then you break down the cost per day, mm-hmm. how much money. Even once you're in office, which once you're in office, it's a lot easier to get money, but the cost per day, how much money you have to raise per day while Mm -hmm. you're in office to stay in office? Yeah. Come on. (laughs) No, seriously. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it, I think it's Simon Sinek has a great video about how we have, we as a society, Mm have become we value individualism over collectivism so much Mm -hmm. to the point where you know even our politicians will everything's a win-lose right and i don't think it has to be one side does not have to win for the other side to to win Mm -hmm. both it can be a Mm win-win um best buy didn't gain anything Mm-hmm. When Circuit City went bankrupt, exactly, yeah. the game just changed. Mm-hmm. And I think both sides can win, but we have turned into a society that is, in order for me to win, you have to lose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's really gone wrong because I think even our politicians have, it's not about represent, it's about winning. Yeah. It's about staying in power, even at the cost of yeah. the collective. And and you're right. It's turned into a middle school uh, one-up game. One-upping everybody. Oh, I did a better. A street yeah. fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. During the last election, I was happy to see some people that were actually, I mean, you had a, a Trump supporter and a Biden supporter holding their flags. It was a kid and old man. They were standing the same sidewalk, but they respected each other. And I'm like, that is what democracy is to me. You could have opposing views, but respect each other. Because at the end, we're Americans. We're both, you know, we're... Because if not, we're back to eventually ending another civil war on dumb terms. You know? But I think that's, I, I think that's where we're going. Because I think that the divisiveness, if it hasn't already started. Mm-hmm. Because I think with the misinformation and the divisiveness... It used to be that both parties had different approaches, Mm -hmm. but we were working towards the same goals. Yes. Now I think it is, we have two different visions of America and we're trying to pull, it's like playing tug of war in two Mm -hmm. different directions, but we're playing it backwards, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of looking each other in the eyes, we're both just pulling Mm -hmm. the rope our way Mm -hmm. and we don't give it we're not even looking behind us we mm-hmm. don't, absolutely we don't give a shit if they're falling over you know <laughs> no, it's true <laughs> we're, it we're trying true. to drag them through the mud i don't mm-hmm. care if they we break their legs yeah, like it's very true 
Yeah, and like, yeah. so it's like I think I think part like part of me, like little by little, stopped like even like list like I was like I'll get my news from somewhere else. Like I I got tired of just like being berated by it doesn't matter what side. I'm like I'm like, but I need to research it. It got to that point. I'm like it's okay, but I need to research it myself because I I don't know if I could trust you with that anymore. Because it was so, it's, it's, it's gotten to, like you're saying, they're sugarcoating what they want you to hear. Well, and it's sugarcoating, but I also think there's a huge gap, right, in journalism. Mm-hmm. In the sense that even I've, I have, I try to limit my consumption mm-hmm. of the news. Um, of all sides, but even when I read the real estate news, you can kind of tell that these journalists are a little bit disconnected from the industry and that they're journalists and that that's their profession. But you read these articles and then you know the actual facts and it's like, and you know the way it's being portrayed and it's just like, you're so separated, but it's not, I'm not going to say it's this, Lost in translation, mm-hmm. manipulate like it's not so much manipulation as lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of it's manipulation, definitely, but some of it's ignorance. Before the newspaper used to have a the editor's part, was, which was an opinion piece, and then you had the news. Mm-hmm. Now it's turned into everything's an opinion piece. Everything is like the the reporter's opinion put out there, not like not the news anymore. You know. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. So like that way you like you and oh and one of the biggest things and this for a while. As soon as I see a, a, a celebrity endorsing someone, I'm like, no, get the fuck out. I don't need to be influenced that way. I'll you know because it because it's a cheap trick. Is it cheap? You know what I'm talking about? Like it is a cheap trick, but it's also like that. It, it's that's become so blatant. Mm-hmm. I think where the media portion lies is people watch these opinion political commentators mm-hmm. and they think that they're news anchors and they, yeah. they can't tell the difference mm-hmm. or that they see a headline or an article on Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram and they don't realize that that was actually an opinion piece mm-hmm. and that's fine yeah. but like you didn't read it <laughs> all you read was the headline and you didn't even know it was an opinion piece mm-hmm. no like and that's where opinions become now it's news facts yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I don't know if it's happened to you where like um, people talk to you about medical things and they're like oh yeah my doctor told me this yeah but my friend told me not to take those pills you listen to a person that's on the on the street that has I mean your friend yeah it's your friend but your doctor told you to do something you know it, 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 so there's a contrast like you're you're listening you're forgetting the expert over the Johnny yeah but I would also go as far to say as that you know I think there are so many issues in health now where even these doctors and I'm I think yes you should always listen to your doctor over your friend but you need to be careful on who you're choosing as a doctor because doctors in this country are businessmen Mm -hmm. in lab coats you're right so many of them are miseducated especially In the gay community. Oh, yeah? And that's what I'll say is you hear mm-hmm. so much information 
di dis and misinformation around um, important things like HIV in the gay community really? and weird things where doctors don't know. I don't know. It's scary. Some it, it, of the it, stuff you hear. Like in prescription? Like with, with the prescribing? No, or what? Well, in just the facts of it oh. all. Right? Wow. So I think like in, you know, I think that's where we really have to be careful because doctors are people too. Mm-hmm. And, the, so you, and yeah. they have, they pay huge huge amounts of money mm -hmm. for insurance and I'm not saying that you know they're throwing out that willy-nilly but you know they make mistakes and they're covered absolutely yeah no you're right you're right you're right, you're right. you know uh, Ivan Ivan's one like because because the military because it was a military doctor nothing happened to that doctor that nicked everything everything right? they did to him nothing I mean she's probably practicing to this day right of course yeah. she is yeah Mm -hmm. I mean, it's called malpractice insurance. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> like, and I mean, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those, yeah. And those attorneys make a lot of money mm -hmm. defending. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how, they, how, how, I mean, I guess I do know. It's money involved. Uh, but how do lawyers like know your client's guilty and be like, fuck it, we're going to get off on this one? I mean, it's one of the only professions guaranteed by the constitution mm, true so <laughs> you don't have to uh, it, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know your client's guilty right if you are a true steward of the law mm -hmm. yeah. they still have the right to representation mm -hmm. so let me speaking of laws so in what you do as a realtor you have to also be aware of all these laws as they as they get updated or you know for mm -hmm. for, for real estate um is that something you have to like like uh study all the time like you're you're or like is it just i guess it depends on you know there's sixty thousand agents in <laughs> miami-dade county we're mm -hmm. the largest association in the country mm -hmm. and not all realtors are created equal <laughs> so i am very passionate extremely mm -hmm. passionate about ethics standards of practice and laws um but so many realtors don't understand their role as a realtor because they're 60,000 or blah, 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 not 60,000 60 percent or over, just over 60 percent of mm -hmm. agents didn't even do a single deal last year right mm. um so i'm constantly learning i I'm constantly investing in my education as an agent, but unlicensed practice of law is a huge deal. I am not an attorney. Mm. I can give you real estate advice. I can't give you legal advice. Yeah. It's my job to know the laws and I can point you in resource. I can point you to resources and connect you with real estate attorneys who are well-versed and who can educate you. But, um, Unlicensed practice of law is huge, a, a huge issue, mm -hmm. and I'm not a lawyer, so no. You do you do res solely residential, no commercials? No commercials. I dabble in commercial. Mm -hmm. Usually, I so I do residential. I specialize mm -hmm. in residential, um, single family homes mm -hmm. to multi family one to six units. Mm -hmm. If it's 
typically if it's over six units, I'll partner with a commercial broker in my office because I believe in providing excellence and technically as realtors, we're not supposed to, um, operate within spaces, um, of the real estate sector that we don't have expertise in. Mm -hmm. Um, so have I ran into certainly, but my, again, part of my job as a realtor is to connect you with those people. I have those relationships and I'm a problem solver. We're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, between me and my network Mm -hmm. and my brokerage and the team behind me, real estate's a team sport. Everyone thinks, Oh, go hire a realtor. Realtors don't No, It's a team sport. You need, you know, depending on the transaction, you need to assemble a great team. And most of the time, the average person who's not even the average person, even very seasoned investors know how important it is to assemble the right team. And um, someone who's doing this full time versus someone who has other priorities and objectives is going to have very different relationships and a very different understandings of this business and how it operates. But I really do feel like in a market like Miami, any market, in order to provide the best quality service, Mm -hmm. you have to be in it. Um, And you have to be all in it. And that's what's going to get you wherever you need to get. Mm -hmm. Like we're we're also real estate agents, not miracle workers. You know, mm. we can't ma- wave magic wands, <laughs> but we can connect you to the people that you may need to overcome some of those challenges. I mean, I think only twice when I uh, look in properties, like to, to rent, to rent, I've used a realtor. I think in, uh, in, in DC, and I think that in, no, in Arizona, I don't know. Like I, I, I try, we tried one here. I tried using one here, uh, but it was like a, it was a time that like no one was renting. I think it was like about seven, eight years ago, and the like it was like so limited. Everything was over, you know. Every it was everything was rented out. Yeah. So I know the city, and it's it's funny to say that because the city's always building. I see new buildings coming up and new condos and this, uh, but I guess it's just the area. In our area, I don't know. You know I think it's. You can, they say, you can tell the health of a city's economy by how many cranes are on the skyline <laughs> at any given time. Yeah. And I overlook, I'm on 8th Street, I overlook um, All the Old Brickle, uh-huh. Key Biscayne, Coconut Grove, and the Gables, and there's so many cranes, mm-hmm. and that's not even north, right? Yeah. And it, it is crazy, but that's why... First of all, we need it because mm-hmm. there's over a thousand people moving to Florida a day right now, mm-hmm. and um, we're netting almost all of them because there's very few people leaving. Mm-hmm. Now we are seeing more people leave as people get priced as Floridians mm-hmm. get priced out. Um, but unless people are worried about prices, yeah. Um, if you look at the largest increases 
for the cost of a median one bedroom um, in all of the United States. The top three are Miami, Tampa, and Orlando. Then it's New York, then it's Jacksonville, and then I think it's Gilbert, Arizona. So, and with Miami being a 38% increase for the cost of a one bedroom. Now the median cost of a one bedroom apartment in Miami is $2,280. So, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, I was, I was trying to tell you, like, I'm like, when the, you know, the people saying that it's cheaper in Miami, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess when you compare it to where, depending where you're coming from, like, if you compare it to California, I'm like, yeah, maybe. Well, uh, you have to realize in California, you're paying 13% state income tax. So most people can now pay their, with the wages, if mm-hmm. they're, they're able to keep the job that they had in California, mm-hmm. they're now able to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. Because those are high-paying jobs, very mm-hmm. high cost of living. Yeah. So, but when you're seeing, you know, Microsoft just rented 50,000 square feet of office space on Brickell Avenue. Wow. So, you know, mm. high-paying jobs are flo- flowing here. Yeah, I saw your post earlier today. What was that? Like, you said the hot, uh, was it, the, you put the post today, your story, about in, uh, in the highest mortgage um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Today, um, well, I guess it was really Friday. Okay. Because, um, but uh, 4.4%, which is the highest uh, wow. rate we've seen, the prime rate we've seen in two years. Mm. Rates are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And for every 1% rates go up, buyers lose 10% in buying power. So it quickly becomes prices are going to continue to rise in Miami. That's reality. The demand is just too strong. If, if interest rates, the feds are have the Fed has already said mm-hmm. that they're going to raise interest rates. We're seeing that that's already started. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the Fed doesn't necessarily con- the Fed controls interest rates, but. What the Fed says and what investors in the mortgage-backed securities industry mm-hmm. are charging are two different numbers because they have to make money too. Yeah. What they're borrowing, you're not getting money for what they're borrowing <laughs> it at because they, no, <laughs> they're a middleman. Like that's the Fed is what they're lending to the banks. Mm-hmm. That's what they're lending to the investors who are buying these what a lot of people don't understand about mortgages is you're you know they're selling you a mortgage-backed security that mortgage broker who's Mm. selling you that loan is selling it to an investor Mm. who's buying that loan now it has to meet federal guidelines but but once it has that well but the difference between your your the you know you have your origination fees, you have your interest rate, you have other fees, like, that's what you have to look out for. And you're a traveler, I've seen like, you know, your stories and your, and your, and your post, like what, of all the cities, obviously besides Miami and all that, 
what what city did you like really fall in love with and see seem yourself to returning all the time it's hard to say like mm. i i love to travel i love to experience new places um one of the cities I fell in love with recently, mm -hmm. I don't know if I could ever see myself there. <laughs> I can, but I can, is Charleston. I think Charleston, South Carolina yeah. is probably one of the most underrated cities in America. I went there for a real estate conference, mm -hmm. um, Boomtown Unite. I'll be there again in April. Be excited to see everybody there. Um, it's historical i love historic beautiful cities um it's very walkable downtown mm -hmm. charleston um great restaurants great food scene amazing people um as far as living i mean when people ask me where i would live outside of miami i'm like well uh fort lauderdale <laughs> <laughs> keep it local and even then i'm like mm, uh, no may boy <laughs> um but like i don't know i i ever since i'm a big city boy mm -hmm. you know south america new york dc mm -hmm. Um, DC is my favorite. I have oh, yes. lots of friends yes. in DC. Shout out to mm -hmm. um, my best <laughs> best friends, Chris and George. Um, you know, I love I love DC. I have a lot of connections in DC. Me being formerly in politics, a lot of my clients come from the political realm. Um, I hate the brutalist architecture. <laughs> I think it's, I don't know if I could ever live there. Yeah. But I'd love to visit. It's somewhere I go multiple times a year just because of um, my friends and the city. I think it's, it, it's one of those cities that attracts all walks of life. Right, yeah. and it should. Everybody should go visit, visit our nation. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I have not been back to New York since I left New York <laughs> five years ago, and I do not miss it. Love my New Yorkers, mm -hmm. but you've all moved here. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, a lot so, of them here. You know, I, I don't necessarily need New York to get, get New York. Mm -hmm. um, um, going back to D.C., I remember, I mean, my, I, I, living, I was, uh, I was stationed in Bethesda the hospital naval hospital mm -hmm. so i love dc one of my biggest fears has been going back because it happened to miami with me in miami when i came back here miami is not what i remembered it so maybe it's nostalgia so i go i'm afraid of going to dc and getting disappointed because the way i remember dc was like waking up in the morning and riding my bike along the potomac and then seeing the Georgetown rowing team and like all these, like, and I loved all the museums that were free and like seeing all these great history, you know, like uh, I never got a chance to visit the White House, mm -hmm. uh, you know, never won the lottery. I, I was able to climb the Washington Monument, but all this greatness, you know, and it's true, you're right. Everyone should visit the nation's capital and, and see history and see all these great things. And you're right, the, 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 the architecture might not be for everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's also very different. Listen, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I flew to DC for the mm -hmm. election, mm -hmm. right? 
Because after what we saw. This recent one? This recent election? You went, you flew? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, because I thought we were going to find out the election. Yeah. The night of. Yeah. But um, what was it with the riots in D.C.? Uh, mm -hmm. I remember. So I flew to the election. I flew to D.C. for mm -hmm. the election. Everything was boarded up. What? Because they thought Trump was going to win. So they thought people were going to go crazy. Yeah. Well, oh. but even then, there, there, there had already been the riot. Oh, yeah, yeah, DC. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So everything was boarded up. But, um, you know, I, I, I went there expecting to <laughs> see a fight. Little did I know that the actual the, the drama would happen on January 6th. Yeah. <laughs> you were a couple of days short, a couple yeah. months short. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I. it's mostly, I don't know, DC's, it, it's different, it's so different, um, mm -hmm. but I'm a big city boy, so yeah. I, ever, even when I lived in New York, I, I always felt like I had to have, you have to escape, mm -hmm. you have to go, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what you'll see with a lot of big city people, mm -hmm. they travel a lot, because you have yeah. to get out, mm -hmm. you have to escape. It's, it's overwhelming at times, yeah. Yeah. And uh, even if it's to a, you know, and you just have to, you have to get out. Yesterday, I was like, fabric, flabbergasted. I was like, why oh, are so many people in the city? Like traffic was, was it was like three o'clock. I was like, why the It's so fat. But it's because obviously Super Bowl Sunday and all that. But as Floridians, we like tend to think that it's always that way. Or we exaggerate. It's always like that well, way. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, even since, I mean, even since I've been here. You know, I've seen it, I, and you see it in housing. There, there's nowhere to live. Oh, there's yeah. no inventory for rentals, perhaps. Like we're full, and it's <laughs> season now, so it's always been worse during season. But what people don't get about Miami is, yeah, even when it's not season necessary, when it's winter here, in the southern hemisphere, it's winter there. Mm. Or when it's summer here, it's winter there. Yeah. When it's winter there. Mm -hmm. So, Miami becomes a lot more Latin in well, the summer yeah. because all the Latinos mm -hmm. come up for, to their vacation homes because mm -hmm. it's winter in their country. Yeah. So it's areves, like yeah. you know, it's um, and coming from a place like Vera where it's you know wasps <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes no because it's no, Vero just, yeah. is 20,000 I mean the median in, 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 age in mm -hmm. Vero Beach is 65 wow yeah it's it's like it's where people from Palm Beach go to retire, retire? and wow. die yeah. like I mean you want to talk about God's waiting room <laughs> but the population <laughs> triples during season wow yeah. Um, so it goes from 20,000 to 60,000. Um, so, oh. but it's old and it's like, you know, we always joke because, you know, the snowbirds come down and we're like, mm -hmm. they're back and they're a year older. <laughs> <laughs> and worse drivers, like even more. Exactly. Than, yeah. That's yeah. the joke, right? Yeah. No. They're yeah. back and they're a year older. Yeah. It's like around the city driving here. 
if I like you know like you're driving to someone and I pee and like, you know you look through the rear mirror through your mirror you look and you see that handicap oh we're fucked because you know you're, you're gonna get well, delayed you, and then Miami you don't know if it's legit <laughs> yeah legit okay no no you know well you're in Coral Gables right and I'm like okay well you know I see I see grandma riding around in her Porsche yeah or her Maserati all the time mm-hmm. she's pulled into the handicap. People, I'm like, where, where did you get that handicap sticker, honey? Because those are six-inch heels. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I, it, it, like, I was gonna move it back, and then I told my parents, nah, Miami's a little too corrupt for me. I got used to calm, but then I ended up moving back, and I mean, it's true. It took me a while to get used to the fast talking, fast pace again. You know, opposed well, to like it's Arizona. It's and wait here, though. Yeah. Like, even New York. Like, I spent a lot of time in London. And London is, uh, what I always, London, anybody who lives in New York, they've convinced themselves that New York is the greatest place on earth, right? Yeah. And it's filthy, and it's disgusting, and there's trash everywhere. And they're like, oh, well, it's because we have so many people. And I'm like, well, London has more people, and it's 3,000 years old. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Their sidewalks are a fourth of the size mm-hmm. the people move at three times the rate you know like you think new york is fast paced london is new york on cocaine like, <laughs> <laughs> no seriously yeah. and no like it's just no like i don't buy it because i'm like they don't even have any place to keep keep their traps there's no alleys to stack it in these buildings are built on top of each other yeah. and they still keep the city cleaner and, and what, I'm like, why do you think that like what like the, the, the citizens care more i don't know because actually i've listened to a podcast recently mm-hmm. about london and like the waste management and how poorly it was built and it's like even as poorly it was as it was built it's still built better than new york i don't know mm-hmm. Just like, if you think New York is fast, you've never mm. been to London. Yes, the greatest people in the world live in New York, and you can walk, like, be 10 minutes from anywhere you work and whatever, but you have to make a lot of money to do that kind mm. of shit. And I think a lot of the people who live there are convincing themselves otherwise. I'm like, no, um, you have no redeeming qualities, so you have, you have given yourself this sense of self-importance because of where you live and that's fine but like I in my experience living in New York you have to have a dream mm-hmm. to live there everyone's chasing a dream there so there's not necessarily it's an investment in my opinion right you're investing in your career you're investing in you know New York to reach your goals but there's not a lot of time for romantic or personal relationships and if they are like it has to be a real investment because that's not necessarily what a lot of people are there to do they're not there to make friends they're not there to find love they're there to chase something and um that's not how it's portrayed in (laughs) the media no, like, oh, greatest city on earth and all that I never sleeps. Huh? But the reason it sleeps because, like, I think there's not enough space to sleep in. Because, like, everyone's, oh, it has to be busy. Always, always right, something. Right, because you're like, sharing a yeah. one-bedroom apartment with four people. 
which sometimes don't even have doesn't even have central air. Like so, like yeah. always doesn't have central air. <laughs> Europe's the same way. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's no, I can't do it. Yeah. Oh, I can. And the subway's gotten so. I mean, it's gotten worse. When I was there five years ago, uh-huh. I saw it rise. I don't want to even misquote it, but it just the subway price kept going up and up and up oh, every wow. year. But the trains sometimes you can't even get on it. So it's packed. hot, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. You can't get on the train because it's so packed. Mm-hmm. The service is awful and there's train traffic. And quite frankly, yes, I, like I know it's not the most environmentally, <laughs> environmental <laughs> approach, but I would much rather be sitting on 95 or US1 in bumper to bumper traffic with my temperature control in my music yes my car then like some stranger's armpit in my face and some guy screaming and hollering and doing being groped you're so fucking close to each other even that is you know what what do they say like when the guys come on and you know try to raise money oh yeah (laughs) it's show time (laughs) and you're trapped it's like uh no i didn't order this like no 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 i've already got like bo you know different experience because uh i think i went there in 2005 and i like i mean i for ten dollars i rode the whole city the, the subway all around the city so fucking, I mean, it's on five. Well, but living somewhere and visiting somewhere are two different yeah. things. Because, like, I need to get stuff. I need to get places during rush hour. Ooh, yes. I need to get home during rush hour. Sure. Right? So, like, and driving the city at your late leisure. Sure, I have been, I mean, I've been on trains in New York where I was the only passenger yeah. in the whole subway car. But, like, not, not at the time that you need to get somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Cause like driving is not an option because there's mm, no parking. I had a car there. I mean, it's ridiculous. And like, I, was, I mean, one of the things I uh, very surprised me because I never seen it at the time was like you park and they raise your car so they can park another car under you. Mm. Yeah, I never seen that before when I was when I was there. They do that a lot here now too. They oh yeah. Doing Brickle. Oh, another thing I remember, uh, like failed history. I remember taking the train. Thinking I was going to Ellis Island and ended up in Seton Island. Cause I took the wrong train and we're like, wait, that's a statue. And then like ending up in Seton Island. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, I mean, I would have gotten to Ellis Island anyways, because at the time it was under construction. You know, it's always under construction. Right. <laughs> train traffic. Yeah. And that's the thing is, oh, the traffic, I'm, I'm okay. There's <laughs> traffic everywhere. <laughs> yeah, the, the time I went, it was super fucking hot that I had flip flops on. At the sole of my feet were fucking black. We would go into like shopping centers for their AC. Well, and that's the thing is, as a Floridian, I learned quickly that you could not wear flip flops there. Uh, and that New Yorkers are disgusted by the fact that you're wearing flip flops. Mm-hmm. And now I understand why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never, never, never. If you go out, shoes. I mean, anywhere really now, shoes. I mean, Florida, right. yeah, I guess, you know, you're good. Because we're going short distances to the beach, all that. To our car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Short distances. Not like the, walking the fucking city. Right. And I've heard, I've heard stories of like New York, like New, uh, New Year's Eve. How like people out there, once you're out there, you're stuck. 
Oh, you're stuck. Yeah. That's true. You have to pee, pee yourself because you're fucking. You're getting. Once you leave your spot, you're done. Don't believe the movies. <laughs> it's not like that. Never believe them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, like uh, people believe they come to Miami. It's gonna be like the movies. It's not like the movies. No. You know, <laughs> half the things are, are are no longer all half the things in the movies are not there anymore. Right, and it's not. You know, it's not this open secret anymore. It's yeah. like you know. Ocean Drive is not the same how it used to be. Never. No. South Beach isn't what yeah. it used to be. Like, I remember I used to go, like, Mangos was a nice place to go to, and it was fun. Now, last time I went there, I passed by there, it was kind of like, they're more reserved now. They have to be. Yeah. It's a security. I mm-hmm. think it's a security thing. Did the market get hit with that building falling? No. Nothing? <laughs> no. Wow. I mean, sure, do our banks. I mean, did the market get hit? The county required 40-year recertifications Mm -hmm. on all buildings. And what you didn't hear about was all the buildings from North Miami to Coral Gables that literally got evacuated because they were not in, you know, habitable condition. (laughs) But... Did the con- no the condo market no, has thrived? I mean, sixty-five percent of our inventory, at least in Miami-Dade County, is condos. Um, this is a second and third home market. We're built between the Everglades and the ocean. We have to build up. We have the third highest skyline in the world <coughs> um, mm-hmm. after New York and Chicago. So, you know. Condos are always going to be a commodity, but especially, I mean, condos took a hit during the pandemic when you mm-hmm. couldn't get in, when there were shared amenities, when everyone was scared about the virus. Mm-hmm. But the condo market now is doing better than the single family home market because you simply cannot get your hands on a single family home. Yeah. Um, unless you're really well qualified and, you know, working with the right team. What do you mean well qualified? You mean your credit? Financially. Financially. So like what? So like the so like the, the backup option is condos. Like for those people that can't yeah, qualify. Yeah, people have had to be mm-hmm. have been forced back into condos. Wow. So for single homes, has the pandemic caused a rise in price across so, the country? So I mean, the homeowners average are, homeowner across the country gained fifty six thousand dollars in equity last year. So that's when. It, People are saying, oh, it's a seller's market. Well, if you're a buyer within the past year or so, you gained $56,000 in equity on average. So mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good market for buyers, too. And it's about to get worse because interest rates are going to continue to rise. And as for every 1% interest rates rise, Lord buyers mm-hmm. lose 10% of buying power. So you could actually be paying a higher mortgage for less of a house. So, you personally, you would wait, wait it out? No, by now. Hmm. I mean, we're 4.4 is what we saw. I mean, it changes daily. Mm -hmm. You want to connect with a good lender, but the reality is, is they're going to continue to go up. So, but prices, I mean, we, all the, all of the... Economists and institutional investors are predicting that we'll see another 
and appreciation over the next year in Miami, mm-hmm. at least, at least. And um, interest rates are going to continue to go up, so you're going to lose buying power, and prices are going to continue to go up. In the 1970s, we saw hyperinflation, and we saw inflation. Mm-hmm. Real estate has always, for the even during the 70s, for 50 years after always outpaced inflation. Real estate is the biggest hedge against inflation. So the the best time to buy real estate was yesterday. The second best time to buy real estate is today. Uh, the, the company you work for, the na- Nationwide? Nationwide, yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Mm-hmm. We're the largest uh, real estate company in the world for the past three years. Um, EWM was acquired by Berkshire Hathaway in 2018. We've been in, uh, we were founded in Coral Gables by Mm -hmm. three women. What I love about my company is Miami is the only major city um, in America founded by a woman. Mm -hmm. And my real estate company was also founded by three women, um, Islinger, Wooten, and Maxwell in Coral Gables, 1964. We've been the number one real estate brokerage in Miami since 2015. Um, We have 11, now 12 offices across South Florida servicing the Tri-County area from, well, really, from the Keys all the way to West Palm Beach. So not even the Tri-County area, but Monroe, Miami, Dade, Broward, and West Palm Beach. but we're nationwide, so and not we're global now. I mean, we have offices India, London, Mexico, okay. largest real estate franchise in the world. And then uh, you, so you're you're pretty busy, like year round. You yourself. I try to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a great office, mm-hmm. um, in a great market. Um, every agent runs their own business, mm-hmm. um, so I try to stay busy. I'm telling you, yeah, because basically when I was like looking up, you know, information about you, yeah, that's one thing I noticed. Like, like you're highly sought after, um, and even when I when I when we talked, I remember I gave you dates. You're like, I'm available these days, these days, and then you know, so I was like, oh yeah, make sure I get them on, on you know, as I looked at my calendar, make sure I got you, yeah, because like, you know, I know like besides if you're not if you're not showing a home or whatever you're doing, you're always at a, at some other event. Right, where yeah. I'm traveling, yeah. networking. I mean, I'm in. I, I'm involved with a lot mm-hmm. of organizations outside of real estate. So I'm part of the Tom Ferry International mm-hmm. um, Coaching Program, mm-hmm. number one real estate coaching program in the country. So I travel a lot for that. I travel a lot for Boomtown, which mm-hmm. is my CRM, mm-hmm. which I love. Um, the um, I'm involved with the uh, Miami Association of Realtors Young mm-hmm. Professionals Network, which is the largest uh, real estate prof- young professionals network in the country. Um, I try to stay educated. I try to stay um, on the in the know yeah, and no. connected with brokers from around the country. So because. You know, I, I don't just do business mm-hmm. here. I mean, I can connect you with brokers from around the country. We have a huge relocation department, and um, but I like to I like to know what other brokers and other professionals in my industry around the country are doing, 
and um, how I can bring that to our market here. Yeah, that's uh, one thing I have noticed. The people I've talked to, you know, uh, you know, off the podcast or you know, on the podcast, that if you st- you know you can't put all your eggs in one basket, you have to make sure you're multi-dimensional. And that's why I noticed that the most successful people that I've that I've seen or I've talked to are those that choose to not just focus on one thing. Like like you, you're teaching, you're 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 traveling. Even in your travels, you're meeting other people, and you're always keeping fresh with with your business and learning new things of other businesses as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it, it definitely. I mean, yeah. I think I think a lot of people need to learn that lesson. And, you know, a lot of people just like want to do the nine to five. And that's it, and then go home. I mean, you could. I mean, you, I mean, look at you. You're having fun, and you're still making your money, and learn. You know, you know, and then that you could you come, you could bring back all this uh, uh, insight that you know that others would not notice if they just stuck to Miami markets or any of their own markets. One of my favorite podcasts <laughs> is. The Real Estate Flight Fight Club, mm-hmm. and shout out to Jennifer Mertland and mm-hmm. Monica Weekly mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Um, they are great, great real estate brokers, and um, some people. I, I mean, that I follow religiously. Have you been on their podcast? I have not, but oh, okay. um, I have spoken. Uh, Jennifer oh. Mertland and I have yeah. a. Um, relationship and uh they recently talked about in one of their most recent Mm -hmm. podcasts about entrepreneurship and Mm -hmm. what it means to be an entrepreneur entrepreneurship you know is defined by an individual who starts and runs a business with limited resources Mm -hmm. and planning and is responsible for all the risks and rewards of their business and i think that in this business and just in America in general, mm-hmm. people come here and, you know, with greater risk comes greater with mm-hmm. reward, but with greater risk comes greater potential for failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really important with anyone who wants to work for themselves is 1099. You can be an Uber driver or whatever. And you're a 1099, you're an entrepreneur, but that is not, to me, what entrepreneurship is in America. And um, I think that's what makes America great, is the ability to have that entrepreneurial spirit, spirit. but I don't think that it's for everyone. No, absolutely not. Because you just brought up a good point. There's a difference between entrepreneurship and small business owner. Small business owner means you're still working the business. You're being you 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 just traded nine to five to slave yourself because you have to be there all the time. Opposed to entrepreneurship is that you start that way and you grow out of it and then you 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 take a a back you know back uh, you know you take a back a step back and allow, allow the business to run itself through management and all that. Maybe, yeah. but many times in my experience with entrepreneurship, whether it's my family, friends of entrepreneur, friends that mm-hmm. are entrepreneurs, or myself, when you take yourself out of that business, the revenue, uh, money starts to disappear, like you wouldn't believe. You do have a point. I had a, I had a friend. He was a bar owner, and mm-hmm. he owned bars in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and he lived in Westchester, and. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when whenever he was not at his bar in Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know, he would lose five to fifteen thousand dollars a night <laughs> just because he wasn't there. Oh, wow. right. So, and I think even it's no one is going to run your business like you're yeah. going to run your business. Exactly. But I don't necessarily think that even in real estate, I think as you scale and as you grow, mm-hmm. you have to understand that you can't do everything. Yeah. You have to be able to pass jobs on. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem for entrepreneurs is not necessarily that the customer wants you there as much as you think nobody else can do your job and as well as you can. Yeah, because then you become a micromanager. Right. Yeah. But I think it's it's the, the biggest challenge in entrepreneurship is learning those objection handlers, building those systems to where that you can pass people on and that people do trust the service that you provide because there's a lot of companies, right, where I trust that, you know, whoever the genius is on Apple, I don't care who they are. I know I'm not I'm not speaking to Tim Cook. I know I'm not speaking no. to someone in power, but I know I trust that the person I'm dealing with on the other line is, you know, well equipped mm-hmm. and well qualified and well trained to handle their their job. Yeah. And I think that that's the challenges that small businesses face over corporations, mm-hmm. right? As we give corporations all this trust, mm-hmm. and that's why they have all they have more power than us in this yeah. com- this country. But we're dealing with a big corporation, so it's you know all in their <laughs> hands. But when we deal with a small business, it's like, no, I want you because I trust you. Yeah. But it's like, well, you have to also trust my team, right? Because like, you don't necessarily. And that's in real estate too. People look down on us, blah, 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 whatever. We're one of the least trusted professional professions next to lawyers. But mm. um, people have to understand that like, we can't be all places at one time. Mm. So like, I have to be able to hand you off. And like, you have to understand that I have transaction coordinators and I have a team behind me and even though I'm, I'm marketing me and I'm selling me as the product, you know, mm-hmm. you're buying into my team. Yeah. And you have to trust that I've, my ability to sem- assemble a good team. No, I, I think the distrust comes, like the, like the lawyer, but mostly for, for the realtors, what I've heard is, oh no, they're in it for the commission. But you have to think about it. Yeah, of course they're in it for the commission because they're helping you, yes. But they have to get paid. They have to eat too. So like it's kind, of, it's kind of selfish to be like, oh, they're in it for the money. But you're in it for the money too. You do your job because you want to get paid. Like, well, you know? and you don't. Here's what I always say. Mm-hmm. You don't need a realtor to buy a property. Mm-hmm. In Florida, the seller pays both sides of the transaction. Mm-hmm. So the the commission, how realtors are paid... Is act, it's actually built into the listing agreement. Mm-hmm. So whether you choose to work with a buyer's agent or not, that realtor is who's representing the property mm-hmm. is still going to receive 
their compensation. Now, we don't have set compensation, but in our market, it's five to 6% typically. Now, it's advertised in the MLS. In order to put it into the MLS, you mm-hmm. have to put comp- compensation for another broker. So what you don't realize, people think they're going to get a better deal by going directly to the listing agent. Well, we don't have dual agency in Florida. So when you work directly with the listing agent, Mm -hmm. that listing agent actually becomes a transaction agent or a transaction brokerage relationship, which means they don't have fiduciary to either side, which means that they legally can't disclose certain things that they would if you had an exclusive relationship with that broker. But if the deal Mm -hmm. falls apart, the listing agent still has that relationship with the seller. They got that listing for a reason. Mm -hmm. So like, who are they working for? Mm -hmm. Who are they working for? The seller. I mean, for the... I mean, legally. Yeah. They're doing everything above board. They're working mm-hmm. for the transaction. Yeah. But for example, if I was representing you in a sale and I'm, I'm your buyer's agent and I'm, I have an exclusive relationship with you, I'm your fiduciary. Mm-hmm. If I find out that the seller is going through a divorce or, you know, this is a distressed sale, they have to sell. This is whatever i have to disclose that to you as a transaction broker i do not and as a transaction broker i do not have i mean i have to provide you you know i have to disclose any material or latent defects in the home but i don't have to provide you any details that could potentially damage the transaction because I'm balancing both sides. But ultimately, buyers come and go. The buyer, the Florida real estate contract Mm -hmm. favors the buyer. You can get out for a lot of different reasons. Now, I don't represent you. You can read that contract. I hope you hire an attorney. (laughs) But it's a fine line and that's why I'm like you don't want a you don't need a a real estate broker you want a real estate broker Mm -hmm. and this may seem kind of vulgar (laughs) and I know (laughs) (laughs) you know I used to work on a real estate team and I know they didn't like that I said this but the reality is as I say buying real estate without a buyer's agent is like going to an orgy without a condom. It may feel good in the moment, but you don't know what you're going home with yeah. and you don't know what you're going to wake up with the next morning. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I- My job, you can find real estate online. Like, I have brokerage relationships. My value is not simply, I'm not a lawyer. I do understand the real estate contract. Mm -hmm. But my job is to, people are like, oh, I don't need an agent. 
there's all these TikToks where it's like, oh, you want to buy real estate? Do you know the best thing you can do? Get your real estate license. And I'm like, uh, that's a joke. Because you're going to spend all those hours. Then you have to find a brokerage. Then you don't realize how it, expensive it is to join the MLS. And uh, you don't have the knowledge. You don't what, have the experience. What's MLS uh, stand for? Uh, multiple listing services. Okay, sure. That's our, so how we cooperate with other agents. Mm -hmm. So our compensation, again, is built into the MLS. Our compensation is not even part of the contract. It's not even listed on the contract, guys. <laughs> it's whatever it says in the MLS. Because that's how we cooperate as brokers. But that gives us access to lockboxes, all this stuff. And that's the difference between a real estate agent and a realtor is a real estate agent is just a licensee who's been licensed mm -hmm. to Florida. A realtor has, is a member of the National Association of Realtors is an, and is bound by a different code of ethics. Now to join almost any real estate association in the United States where you'd have access to the MLS, the electronic mm -hmm. lockboxes, the contracts, all that stuff, you would have to be part of the National Association of Realtors. Okay. There's areas in America that are very rural areas that you can operate as a, just a real estate agent. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's far more nuanced than people think it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. like the brokerage, like people go into things and they just think they can, you know, they know. Hmm. Because they saw it on HGTV. Yeah, this guy, yeah. you know. They don't understand the nuance. It, I, and even the lease, you know, the, the lease agreement is a... The, the standard lease agreement in Florida is, I want to say, a 12 to 18 page contract. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, I remember reading the lease agreement for this place, and there's some of the things like you know, like the the wording is kind of like because it's it's like you know legal wording. So you're like, huh. I had to like really look into some of it. Like you know, I was like, was that legal? Is that legal? You know, like obviously, I mean. Well, and even yeah. that sale agreements, twelve pages, and then there's all kinds of addendums. Mm -hmm. and yeah, for this place, they were like they they have the option changes. of adding a meter. If they feel you're using too much water. So I went to the Florida uh, laws and I was like, yeah, they have that right. Well, but a building like this, if you own 10 units or more, you follow, you fall under a totally different category of laws. Mm. And that's what people don't understand. Is if, if you own four units or less, or you're living on premises, you basically, the tenant has no rights in Florida. I can discriminate against you. I don't like you because you're brown. I don't like wow. you because you're black. I don't like you because you're haircut. I don't like you because of whatever. As long as I have four units or less or I live on the property, I can discriminate. It's only once you get into 10 units or more that you fall into a totally different category of laws. And that's why I would, as a real estate professional mm -hmm. and as someone who has man property managed, worked in Airbnb, 
worked in sales, seen what goes on, I'm never going to rent from a single owner. <laughs> I don't care how much I know, like, and trust them. Yeah. Because the reality is, is most of the landlords don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They don't know the law. They think they know what they're doing. But the, the law in Florida so highly favors the landlord. Oh, I didn't know that. And that's why people invest here. That it doesn't really matter. And they can be in, in a place like Miami right now. The laws, it's, it's kind of a banana republic because the demand is so... No one has to really do anything. No one has... Like, you as a tenant, just keep your fucking nose down. Yeah. Because, like, there's a line of people waiting to take your apartment for hundreds of, if not thousands of dollars more than you're paying for it now. So, but the, the problem is, is a lot of the landlords here think they know more than they do. And that's why I would much rather rent from a company like Graystar or mm -hmm. Mill Creek or one of the larger developers mm -hmm. because they have to, they're large corporations and sure, they may be REITs, like real estate, investment trusts which are sold on the stock exchange like mm -hmm. stocks and 90% of their profit has to go back to the investors so it's a lot more cutthroat but also it's not because like I've lived in my building for five years and Graystar they only raised their rent by 5% they're a multi national corporation I they have Greece building but yeah. well, in arizona i think i was yeah, they're everywhere they're yeah. arizona singapore yeah. miami boston new york they're great well they are but they aren't you'll hear yeah. if you go on and read the yeah. the, the at least for me reviews like every month oh my I, god I, I had a new air filter the day yeah of. yeah they'll and leave a, le a letter okay. we did this we did that with that yeah yeah and like but like when people are like, even me as a, you know, agent, I'm like, mm, do you really, you wanna go, okay. <laughs> we can go rent from this landlord, but I don't know this landlord from Tom, you know? I know, cause I, uh, my parents, they have a, like five blocks away from here, like they have a three bedroom, two and a half bathrooms. The dude's been cool enough that that place, they pay, they, you got raised, they pay 2200. That house is not 2200 worth. It's more. A lot more. Way more. And you have good landlords mm -hmm. and you have bad one landlords. Yeah. But you, I mean. But you know, that's it's, the it's thing. a luck of the draw. Yeah, you're right. And like the thing is, is now more than ever, because real estate prices are so high, mm -hmm. investors mm -hmm. and landlords have gotten greedy. But also investors specifically, if I'm a new investor... The cost of everything has gone up so high. I have to charge this much mm -hmm. in order for it to make sense for me. And this is what the market demands. Now, there is a lot of risks. And this is what I tell landlords all the time. Everybody, you go on YouTube, you go on TikTok, make passive income with real estate. No, 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 baby. Hmm. When you invite, and that's what I tell tenants too, mm -hmm. when I'm a preparing to represent a tenant, in a transaction, I understand what landlords are looking for. But you are inviting that person into your life. 
Yeah. Okay? That's mm -hmm. one of your most valuable assets. And you're responsible for the mortgage if you have, a, whether they pay or not. Mm -hmm. But also, like, with someone, if I bought my property 30, 20 years ago, even 5, 10 mm -hmm. years ago, I have different margins than I have today in order to make a profit. So I'm able to keep, if I have good tenants who I love, who I trust, who are not calling me to change the fucking light bulbs, <laughs> I'm not, and that's, people are like, how do I, um, how do I negotiate my rent? And I said, well, how many times have you called your landlord for stupid shit this year? Because as a landlord, like, if you're calling me to change light bulbs, I'm raising your rent. <laughs> if you're charging, if I'm, if you're calling me for every, like, if, you know, and they should hire property managers, but, you know, that costs 8 to 15% yeah. of their, so, but again, it depends on when they purchased because, but there's a risk associated with every investment. There is risk associated. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a landlord, sure. I have a tenant in place who I know pays on time, who I know doesn't have noise violations, who I know doesn't cause me headaches and problems. Mm -hmm. Am I going to keep them in place? Or am I going to go to the market and the market says, you know what, I can get $1,000 more. But no matter how much vetting you do, mm -hmm. people will be people. You could move those people in highly qualified they could be total fraudsters if not vetted properly mm -hmm. or you know what they could lose their job and now you have what nothing and now you have to do go mm -hmm. through an eviction and go through all this other stuff and it's just like that risk that you're going to take as an investor pass it like it's not being a landlord is not Easy, huh? Easy. Unless you hire a management company, then, you know, it could be... Simple. Yeah, Simple. They deal with, they deal with that heartache. Calls. Right. Yeah, they deal with the heartache, and you just have to, like, approve things here and there. So have you ever been landlord? Have you ever, like, played the part of landlord? Yes, I still do. Oh, you... you oh, okay. And property management. It's not fun, and it's not something I like to do. Mm. Did, in, in your case, did you hire a, a, a managing company or did you handle it yourself? In my place, in my situation, it's a family portfolio. So oh, okay. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I handle it because I'm the real estate expert. So, Austin, what words of wisdom would you leave us with uh, regarding um, if, you know, any of us are trying to, you know, seek property? I mean, you already told us that. The best day was yesterday. The, the next best day is today. Uh, how should we? Should we like, like you know, first thing first, uh, seek help? Like you said, like professional help, like the realtors, you know. In today's market, today, mm -hmm. as it stands, you need to be ready, pre-qualified, pre-approved, and assemble a great team. So, I mean, that means reaching out for help mm -hmm. you are not going to be able to compete in this market without 
our market specifically, mm-hmm. and even across the nation right now, without the proper professional help. But, you know, I think we're all, we all have some level of narcissism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be, you know, smart enough to know that you're different from the rest and humble enough to know that you're no different from anyone else. Mm-hmm. So that would be, I guess, my greatest words of wisdom. If someone wanted to reach out to you, if they're interested, they go, I mean, I mean, because I found you, I just typed your name and I found you. Do they reach you personally or do they reach you through the company? You can reach me personally. Because I know um, I saw your office number and cell phone number on there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can reach me personally. Um, SouthFloridaPropertyShop.com mm-hmm. is my website. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also text me or call me directly. Mm-hmm. 305-720-0285. I'm always available um, to take questions. Mm-hmm. Or to just talk about real estate. Well, you said you you uh, how do you say bay to beach? How did how did from you... the bay to the beaches? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I I can help anybody with real estate anywhere in the world. I'm a global real estate advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically specialize in um, the Fort Lauderdale to uh, South Miami. Mm-hmm. And then residential and commercial. You said. Uh, residential and commercial. Okay. Um, I I tend to um, my specialties in residential. Mm-hmm. I dabble in commercial. I partner with a lot of great commercial brokers. I value relationships over transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can help you anywhere in the world. It was good to have you, and uh, well, you're always welcome back. Well, I would love to come back and continue our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce its last call at the bar. Oh.